Today on Grace to the Hearers with Pastor Eric Kluth. We need to stop basing our relationships, things that are attached to God like church, pastors, events, and people because all those things are made up of people. And people are sinners. Meaning what? We're not perfect. And so with that, we're going to fail. <laughs> so if you're basing your relationship and your viewpoint on God, on people, you're going to be let down. But if you base your opinion on God, on Jesus Christ, you will never be let down. People are guaranteed to fail you, but Jesus is guaranteed to never let you down. Today, Pastor Eric encourages all people to be careful not to be judgmental of the faith solely based on other people who are certain to fail. Rather, fix your eyes on the truths and the works of Jesus, who is certain to impress 100% of the time. Well, let's join Pastor Eric for part two of his message in 1 Samuel chapter 4. If you go out into the world and you ask somebody who is at the bottom of the barrel and you say, man, how are you doing? And they know that you're a believer. Oh, man, dude, I need to get back into church. <laughs> I need to start reading my Bible more. Have you guys had those conversations? I need to get back into church. They just see you and they're like, oh, I know I got to be back in church, man. Okay. Yeah, we want you. They think that here, if I go to church, hey, if I read my Bible, then that's what's missing in my life and I will have success. Just like the children of Israel thought if they brought the Ark of the Covenant into their presence, that they would have success against the Philistines. Church and the Bible are great. <laughs> Wonderful. Fellowship is amazing, right? But they don't bring victory. Yes, I know the Bible is living. I know that. I know that there is the power of God. The Word is Jesus. I know all that. But here's the thing, you guys. How many read it and don't learn from it? How many read it and don't learn from it? How many come to church and their lives aren't changed when they leave, after they hear the Word, after they worship God? How many people go back into their lives of sin after they went to church? See, if the heart behind the physical things of God is cold, if you're involved in the physical things and the heart is cold to God, there is no power, okay? That means that this is just a book, but I know that it's not. This is just a building. It's just a building, it's just a book. If the heart behind it towards God is cold, there is no power. A recent Barna Group poll said 66% of Christians reported to say that they've had a personal connection with God in a church. 66% of people who were polled said that they've had a connection with God in a church. Well, that's a good amount, right? But what about the 34%? 34% of people sitting in the pews, sitting in the chairs in churches in America have had not had a connection with God personally. That's crazy. That's craziness, right? It's all about the relationship with God. It's not about the physical things of God. It's about the personal relationship with God. Let me read you what Paul wrote to the church in Rome. This is going to blow your socks off if you're wearing socks. This is from Romans chapter 2, verses 17 through 29. The New Living Translation version. 
But it's like if we were sitting here today, if he was addressing Christians today, he says, you who call yourselves Jews, and whenever it says Jews, I put in my mind the word Christian, okay, believer. You who call yourself Jews are relying on God's law, and you boast about your special relationship with him. You know what he wants. You know what is right because you have been taught his law. You are convinced that you are a guide for the blind and a light for people who are lost in darkness. You think you can instruct the ignorant and teach children the ways of God. For you are certain that God's law gives you complete knowledge and truth. Well then, if you teach others, why don't you teach yourself? You tell others not to steal, but do you steal? You say it is wrong to commit adultery, but do you commit adultery? You condemn idolatry, but do you use, some, use items stolen from pagan temples? You are so proud of knowing the law, but you dishonor God by breaking it. No wonder the scriptures say the Gentiles blaspheme the name of God because of you. The Gentiles in our society would be the non-believers, okay? They blasphemy the name of God because of you. The Jewish ceremony of circumcision has value only if you obey God's law. But if you don't obey God's law, you are no better off than an uncircumcised Gentile. And if the Gentiles obey God's law, won't God declare them to be his own people? In fact, uncircumcised Gentiles who keep God's law will condemn you, Jews who are circumcised and possess God's law but don't obey it. For you are not a true Jew just because you were born of Jewish parents or because you have gone through a ceremony of circumcision. No, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. A true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it is a change of heart produced by God's Spirit. And a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God, not from people. For there to be a true change in a person's heart, for a true change within a, a man's heart, a person to go from defeated to success the heart of the person needs to be transformed by the Holy Spirit. It needs to be produced by the Holy Spirit. The church, religious deeds, reading your Bible, those things did not die for you on the cross. The church didn't die for you. The Bible didn't die for you. The, the, the religious deeds didn't die for you. Jesus Christ died for you. These are all tools that God uses to point people to the one who gives victory to man. The, one, the only way to have victory is if you have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Plain and simple. Charles Spurgeon, I'm reading this book called Soul Winner. I don't know if any of you have ever read the book or not. It's quite interesting. He's really hardcore uh, just tells it how it is, and he's like, you know, we can't get away from the message of the cross. And it's all about the cross and not trying to build people's emotions and trying to woo them into their decisions, but just give them the fact that Jesus Christ died for them on the cross and that he was raised from the dead and he is preparing a place for them in heaven. 
and that he is the only way. And it's not based on emotion, it's based on truth. Do we have that truth in our hearts tonight? Jesus Christ has given man victory. Amen. Psalm 33, verse 8 says, Victory comes from you, O Lord. Victory comes from you, O Lord. You guys want to say it with me? Victory comes from you, O Lord. May you bless your people. Selah. Psalm 62, 1. It only gets cooler than that. You know, it's, I wait quietly before God, for my victory comes from... So Paul asked the church in Rome a question. He says, who shall separate us from the, law of the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Well, he answers this question. Verse 37 of chapter 8, he says, yet in all these things, we were more than conquerors, victors, right? Through him who loved us. Well, who loves you? Amen. So then verse 38 and 39 says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers, that includes the principalities of darkness, nor things present nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor anything created, no other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of Jesus' love, and he has given you victory, and because of this victory, nothing can take you out of the hand of the Father. Nothing. Amazing, you guys. Because of the love of Jesus, we have been made victorious. So what's behind the physical is who we need to see. What's behind the physical, what you can see? What's behind the church? What's behind the Bible? What's behind good works? Jesus Christ. That's who we need to see. Continuing on in verse 12, let's see how the rest of the Israelites took the news of the defeat. Verses 12 through 22. Now the sons of Eli were corrupt. And that's in chapter 2. We know that. Verse 12. Then the men of, man of Benjamin ran from the battle line that's the same day. And came to Shiloh with his clothes torn and dirt on his head. Now when he came, there was Eli sitting on a seat by the wayside, watching, for his heart trembled for the ark of God. And when the man came into the city and told it, all the city cried out. When Eli heard the noise of the outcry, he said, What does the sound of this tumult mean? And the man came quickly to, and told Eli, Verse 15, Eli was 98 years old, and his eyes were so dim that he could not see. Then the man said to Eli, I am he who came from the battle, and I fled today from the battle line. And he said, What happened, my son? So the messenger answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines, and there has been a great slaughter among the people. Also, your two sons, Hophani and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God has been captured then it happened when he made mention of the ark of God that Eli fell off the seat backward by the side of the gate and his neck was broken and he died for the man was old and heavy 
and he was ju- and he had judged Israel 40 years. Now his daughter-in-law Phineas's wife was with child due to be delivered. And when she heard the news that the ark of God was captured and her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and gave birth for her labor pains came upon her and about that time her death about her death the woman who stood by her said to her do not fear for you have born a son but she did not answer nor did she regard it then she named the child Ichabod saying the glory has departed from Israel because the ark of God has been captured and because of her father-in-law and her husband Verse 22, and she said, the glory has departed from Israel for the ark of God has been captured. So meanwhile, back in the camp, the the 30,000 troops get killed. This, This guy from the tribe of Benjamin runs back into Shiloh and tells the city that there was a great slaughter and there was a cry out. I mean, 30,000 people of your brothers and sisters and your family and your friends are dead. And he's, his clothes are torn. There's dirt on his head. He is full on into mourning. He's mourning, okay? But then Eli, he's been waiting by the gate ever since the ark of God went out of the camp. As a high priest should, right? Be concerned of the things of the Lord. And he's like, what's all this commotion? I can't see what's going on. And this guy's like, let me tell you, there was a great slaughter, <laughs> There's probably many tears coming through this, right? There's a great slaughter. Your two boys are dead, and the ark of God has been captured. The news of the ark of of God, ark of the covenant being captured, threw him back physically, and he broke his neck, and he died. But it was fulfilling the prophecy that Samuel just had told him, right? The boys are dead. Now Eli's dead. So then his son's wife, his daughter-in-law, she's ready to give birth. She hears the news. Instantly she goes into pain because, I would imagine, because of the stress. Sends her into labor, right? Her mind wasn't on the baby. It was on what had happened. And so she's about to die, and this lady standing by her, hey, don't worry, you gave birth to a kid, you know, a boy, She's like, whatever, I don't, I don't, I'm not regarding him. <laughs> I'm going to name his Ichabod because the glory of God has been gone. It's gone. The glory has departed from Israel. Man, intense scene, right? So the news of the ark of God being taken brought great distress upon the people, even leading to the death of a few. The people of Israel thought the presence of the Lord departed from them because the ark was captured. They thought God had departed because the ark was captured. Let's look deeper into this. Was it because the ark was captured? No. Why was the Lord, why had the Lord departed from them? Because of their sin. Right? Sin. Sin separates man from God. Sin separates man from God. Ezekiel 18.20 says, The soul who sins shall die. Proverbs sums up it perfectly. It says, Then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They didn't find him. Why? 
because there was sin in the camp. And see, here's the thing is that we can be so quick to blame others right around us for the sin that's going on. Actions for others, we can blame them. Oh, it's all their fault, you know? It's your fault that the Lord's presence isn't here. We can blame, we can blame. Just like Phineas's wife did, right? She blamed, you know? She was caught up in the actions of others in verse 21. The, the glory has departed from Israel because the ark has been captured and because her father-in-law and her husband died. <laughs> it's because you guys died. That's why he's gone. Well, another Barna group poll says this, you guys. This is unbelievable. 59% of the people in America in the age group of 18 through 29 with a Christian background have dropped out and are not going to church after attending regularly. 59% from 18 to 29. 37% of adults in America say that they are post-Christian in America. Why are they leaving the church? Why are they walking away from Jesus? Well, in my opinion, there's reasons for people to leave the church. And here's three of them. And I know there's probably a lot more, but this is what came to my mind and my heart. Number one, they're involved with sin. That's why they stop coming to church. That's why they walk away from the Lord is because they're involved in sin. Number two, they have been judged by somebody in the church for their actions or their lifestyle. They don't approve what they wear or, you know, they don't approve the lifestyle that they formerly lived. One girl in Coolidge told me, I will not come to your church because there is somebody in your church that told me my life was not honorable to God and that I had no hope. That was many years ago, okay? But the news of that just breaks my heart. Yes, the sin is not right, but to say that there's no hope, that is wrong because there is hope in Jesus Christ. And we as a body should be open. We should be the ER to the community and to this area for people to come in so that we can love them. Why are they not coming to church? Maybe because they've been judged in a sinful heart. We can judge, but we need to judge with God's word and with love, come with, with it at love. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Or they've been forced, they've been force-fed man's rules a.k.a. religion, and they're done with that. I'm done with it. Don't do this. You have to wear a tie. You don't have to wear a tie. <laughs> That's just minor, but see, but here's the thing, you guys. Sin is involved with all of these. Sin is what separates man from God. Man does not separate man from God. Man does not separate man from God. Sin separates man from God. See, the glory of the Lord has departed not because of God, but it's because of sin. But by God's love and his grace, he has given man a way out of that sin, and that's through Jesus Christ, the righteous. See, here's the cool thing, you guys. This is worth taking notes. I write it down. I'm like, write this down. God has not forsaken you. He has forgiven you. He has not forsaken you. He has forgiven you. 
So we need, as, when I say we, we as human beings need to stop basing our relationship with God with the physical things and start basing our relationship with the one who matters, Jesus Christ. We need to stop basing our relationships, things that are attached to God like church, pastors, events, and people because all those things are made up of people and people are sinners. Meaning what? We're not perfect. And so with that, we're going to fail. <laughs> so if you're basing your relationship and your viewpoint on God, on people, you're going to be let down. But if you base your opinion on God, on Jesus Christ, you will never be let down. Focus on a relationship with God personally through Jesus Christ. What I say is that we need to be praying for purity. Praying that, the, that it starts with us, church, that we, seek, we, that we have God seek our hearts, that if there's anything impure, that we acknowledge that and confess it before the Lord so that he can remove it. It starts with us, you guys. It starts with us praying for purity. And when it comes to sin, we're all in the same boat. Let us recognize the sin and turn to the one who removes it. Let's not hide it. Let's, let's bring it to the surface. Let it, let it come forth to the Lord. Not in the fear of judging, because that's why probably a lot of people don't confess their sins to another, is because they don't want to be judged. Well, that's the, that's the enemy trying to hold you back from being delivered. And I don't want to stand for that anymore. I don't want to stand for the lie anymore. I, don't want, to, I want to stand for the truth and come and, and come before God and let him remove it. I mean, because that's what we preach, right? Why are we afraid then to come forth with the sin? Come clean. He'll clean you. And as brothers and sisters, if we're truly brothers and sisters, we're not there to judge. We're there to lift you up and to encourage you. Don't let sin separate you from God. God does not want that. That's why he sent Jesus. See, the enemy wants you to focus on the sin, but here is the truth. Here is the fact. Jesus Christ died, and when he died, he died for every sin. In that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. Meaning what? He has delivered us from all sin. All the chains have been broken. So the enemy is going to say, hey, just ignore it. It goes away. Just put it over there. Guess what? You can have it go away if just confessing it to Jesus. So you could do it your way or you can do it Christ's way. Ignore it until it blows up in your face or take it to the Redeemer and have it forgiven forever. The option is yours. Listen to the words spoken by the Holy Spirit through James. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Listen to this. Perk the ears. Pay attention. Open the eyelids. If you, even if you have to bring your fingers to your eyes to open up, to pay attention to this. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. You've been listening to Grace to the Hearers, the radio ministry of Pastor Eric Kluth of Calvary Chapel Coolidge in Coolidge, Arizona. 
CD copies of today's study are available when you email us at info at gracetothehearers.com. That's info at gracetothehearers.com. Today's message, as originally presented at Calvary Chapel Coolidge, can be downloaded from our website at gracetothehearers.com. If you can't get to your computer to download or place an order, you can always call us at 520-723-7047. We'll be happy to help you. Again, that number is 520-723-7047. We are so blessed by the technology that we have these days. Most of us have numerous versions of the Bible, and now with mobile technology, we have the Bible right on our phones and tablets. Grace to the Hearers is available in podcast format for use on any device. Simply log on to gracetothehearers.com and follow the links to subscribe to the Grace to the Hearers podcast. Or simply search for Grace to the Hearers in the iTunes store. Again, our web address is gracetothehearers.com. Subscribing to a podcast like Grace to the Hearers is a wonderful way to infuse God's Word into your everyday life. Please log on to gracetothehearers.com today and subscribe to the Grace to the Hearers podcast. Now please place a marker in your Bibles and make plans to join us again. Pastor Eric will continue teaching verse by verse through the book of 1 Samuel, right here on Grace to the Hearers.